Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So if you were here last night, you probably remember, at least according to the Bible, you and I have a really big problem. And that problem is sin. Now, we don't like to talk about it, but it's true. And one of the things that sin does in our lives is cause dysfunction. With respect to God, one of the things that, that sin does is it causes us to, to fail to see God for who he really is. And when we don't see God for who he really is, when we can't see God clearly, what happens? We start following someone else, something else. But sin doesn't just create, cause dysfunction with our relationship with God. It also creates dysfunction in our relationships with ourselves, right? It drives us to want what we want instead of wanting what God wants. Which is exactly what happens to the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden, yeah? They were tricked, deceived by the serpent into thinking that they knew better than God, that, that they knew what was best for them. They knew what would make them happy. They got to define their desires, not God. And what did the serpent say, right? He said, you, you won't die. No, you, you surely won't die. God just knows. God knows that, that when you eat the fruit of the tree of knowing good and evil, what happens? Well, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil yourselves. Go ahead, eat. Don't listen to God. Do whatever you want. See, the Bible, in the story of the Bible, the Bible calls that act rebellion. Thousands of years later, though, our culture, it calls it freedom. Freedom. Maybe you've heard the name Glennon Doyle. Uh, she's an author, activist, speaker. She's written several books, uh, several New York Times bestsellers. Most recently, she's released a New York Times bestseller, Untamed. And, and in the book, catch what she says. She says this. She says, we shouldn't think of Eve's appetite as wrong. Maybe she was never meant to be our warning. Maybe she was meant to be our model, own you're wanting, eat the apple. Own your wanting, eat the apple. Don't listen to God, do whatever you want. Define what's good for yourselves. See, according to Glennon Doyle, my problem, your problem, our biggest problem, it's not sin, it's not our disobedience, it's not our rebellion against God. No, it's that, it's that we've been tamed to use her language. We've been tamed, especially women, like, like an animal stuck in a zoo, a wild animal in a zoo, and the only path to freedom, the only path to real freedom, according to Glenna Doyle, is throwing off the shackles of our culturally constructed cages in order to untame ourselves. 
so that we can own our wanting, so that we can eat our fruit, so that we can do whatever it is that we want, not God. So that we can trust ourselves, so that we can listen to our inner voice, so that we can obey our deepest desires, so that we can do whatever it is that we think or someone tells us to think that that's what's going to make us happy. See, see, if we think that Glennon Doyle is the only one that thinks that way, we're wrong. 80, according to a recent survey, 84% of Americans agree that enjoying yourself, that's the highest goal in life. 84% of Americans agree that the highest goal in life is enjoying yourself. Unless we think that that's an out there problem, not an in here problem, 66% of Christians agree The highest goal in life is enjoying yourself. And how do we enjoy ourselves? Well, 86% say that we enjoy ourselves by pursuing whatever we desire most. 91% say that that to find yourself, we've got to look within ourselves. Now, maybe you're skeptical of statistics. I get it. I don't always understand stats myself. I slept through stat class. That's fine. Don't get lost in the numbers. That's not the point. The point is this. A majority of Americans, including Christians... A majority think that the point of life is to find enjoyment. How? By looking within ourselves and doing whatever it is that we think will make us happy. See, we too want to own our wants. We too want to eat the fruit. You do you. Follow your heart. Live your story. Be your own hero. You're enough. Or as Disney's been telling many of us for years, Just be true to yourself and all your dreams will come true. It sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want their dreams to come true? Who doesn't want to do whatever it is they want? Indulge their desires. Define what's good for themselves. Who doesn't want that? Here's another one. Stephen Colbert, several years ago, five-ish years ago, speaking at Wake Forest, uh, graduation ceremony, speaking to college grads, and, and at the end, toward the end of his speech, he says this. This is how he ends to these college students getting ready to go off into the quote-unquote real world. He says, find the courage to decide for yourselves what's right and wrong. Find the courage for yourselves to decide what's right and wrong. Make the world good according to your own standards. Make the world good according to what? Your own standards. See, Colbert too, don't get caged, don't get tamed, don't get trapped, don't let other people tell you how to think because here's the key to happiness. The key to happiness is looking inside yourself, finding out what it is that you want most and going after it. And by the way, don't ever give up. See, that's how the majority of our culture thinks. That's the air we breathe. That's our culture in a nutshell and statistically, That's how a lot of us in this room think. My goal in life is to be happy, to pursue what I want most, what I desire most. I struggle with it too. Why do we think that? Why do we think that? Someone once said, he said it like this. He says, ideas don't just catch on because some scientist makes a discovery somewhere. No, they gain popularity because this, whatever this is, Well, it's what a lot of people want to believe. 
It's what a lot of people, it catches on, it grows in popularity, it becomes the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in. Why? Because it's what we want to believe. Why do we want to believe it? Well, because we're all looking for something, right? We're looking for something to make us feel alive, something to, to give our lives meaning and purpose and joy and happiness and satisfaction. We all want those things. We're all looking for them. The problem, though, is that we're looking in the wrong places. I know it's an old illustration, but it's why Ronda Rousey, after losing a devastating fight to an underdog in Holly Helm, it's why she's laying on the mat, and for the first time in her life, she's contemplating suicide because she's saying, what am I anymore if I'm not this? Just as old, just as tired, Tom Brady, several Super Bowls, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, right? Not the greatest, Pat Mahomes, but one of, thanks, Derek's, one of, He's got all these Super Bowl rings, and on 60 Minutes, national TV, he comes out and he says, gosh, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more out there. See, we're all looking for something. I want you to catch this, though. I want you to hear me say this, that that longing that you have for, for your desires to, to meet the desires of your heart, that's, it's not bad. It's not wrong to long. It's not wrong to want. In fact, God created you. Hear me say this. God created you with desires. God created you to have wants. But the lie that I think many of us believe and the lie certainly that our culture is trying to sell us is that we can always trust our hearts, that our hearts always tell us exactly what those desires that we really want are. It's a lie. It's a lie. See, check this out. Culture, culture says this. Culture says follow your heart, right? Follow your heart. Here's what the Bible says. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? Follow your heart. The heart is deceitful. Culture says, okay, trust your desires. Well, Mark 7, 21. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these things come from inside and defile a person. Okay, what about culture saying, just listen to your inner voice? Just, certainly we can trust ourselves, right? The Bible says this, Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord, not yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, you and I, our culture tells us to look within, to, to listen to our hearts, but, but here's some questions. What if sometimes our hearts actually lead us astray? What if sometimes we can't actually trust our hearts, what if sometimes our inner voice isn't as reliable as Instagram tells us it is? What if we don't actually know what's best for ourselves? What if worse, sometimes those, those things that we want, what if they're actually harmful to us? Have you ever considered those questions? That just because you want it doesn't mean that that's what's best for you? 
I get it. It's hard. This is the air that we breathe. It's the water we're swimming in. It's difficult in the midst of a culture that tells you indulge yourself, pursue yourself, you do you, you be you, you whatever you. I get that it's difficult to stop and pause and slow down and be still and ask those questions. I get it. But we're told to own our wanting, to eat the fruit. But sometimes our desires, they trick us. Our hearts, they lead us astray. I mean, it's not difficult to find example after example after example after example of this being true. Case in point, I don't watch the show, but look at this. The Bachelor literally created a spinoff called Listen to Your Heart. Now, here's a question. Who in their right mind thinks that it's, it's going to go well placing 20 attractive men and women, bachelors and bachelorette, inside a mansion so they can meet each other and explore their relationship, whatever that means? Who thinks that's going to turn out well? Nobody thinks that's going to go well, right? Why do we watch it? Because the idea behind the show is intoxicating. Look within, listen to your heart. That's exactly what we want to do. We want to do whatever it takes to make ourselves happy. It sounds so good. I want that. You want that. Human beings, from the time of the man and the woman and the serpent in the garden, will always, have always, will always, this side of Jesus' return, be tempted by the lie that our greatest happiness is found apart from God. You will always be tempted by the lie that your greatest happiness is found apart from God, that your meaning, your purpose, your joy, your fulfillment, your satisfaction, your happiness, whatever it is, that it comes not from listening to God, but eating the fruit, owning your own wanting, doing whatever it is that you want, not letting anyone or anything tell you differently. You've got to encage yourself. You've got to untame yourself. You've got to throw off the shackles. You do you. That's the path to real freedom. That's the path to real freedom. That's what our culture says. Jesus sees it differently, though, doesn't he? He usually does. Look at Matthew 16, picking up in verse 24. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? See, what Jesus is saying, do you, if, if you want to be happy, if you want to find real meaning, if you want to find real joy, real purpose, real life, well, then you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to follow Jesus, not yourself. See how different that is from our culture? See the contrast there, the radical difference between the two? Real joy, real meaning, real happiness, real purpose. It doesn't come when we make life about us. It doesn't come when you make life about you. It comes when you make your life about Jesus. I get that that's a tough pill to swallow, especially in college. But according to Jesus, you aren't the hero of your life. 
The hero of your life is not you. It's Jesus. Why? Because though he was perfect, which, by the way, the only person in the history of the world to ever be perfect, though Jesus was perfect, he died. He was killed. He was murdered, put on a tree, a cross he didn't deserve. And three days later, he walked out of a grave. Why? To rescue you and me from the dysfunction of our sin. To rescue us. Jesus is the hero, not you, not me. See, sometimes I think that we read these verses in, in Matthew and we hear this, this language of denying ourselves and taking up our cross and, and, and the cost and, and, and the sacrifice that we're going to have, all these things. And, and what we think, or maybe what we've even been told, is that what Jesus really wants most in your life is to make your life suck. What Jesus really wants to do is just suck all the joy, suck all the fun out of your life so that following him is just kind of hard and... That's it. That's not what these verses are about. Of course, yes, they do draw our attention to the fact that following Jesus is hard. Nobody thinks that following Jesus is going to be easy. If following Jesus is easy for you, then you're probably not really following Jesus. But I don't think these verses are only about rejecting joy and happiness. What I think Jesus is doing is redirecting our joy, redirecting our satisfaction, redirecting our meaning and our purpose and our significance. See, what I think Jesus is doing is redirecting your joy, your happiness away from yourself to him. He's redirecting it from us to him. That's where our joy and meaning is found. That's where we'll be most happy, in Jesus. And catch this, when, when, when we do that, when we actually let Jesus do that in our lives, when we actually let Jesus help us with this, his desires actually become our desires. Our desires over time begin to change. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. In God, in Jesus, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, culture says find yourself. The Bible says, no, delight yourself in what? Who? Jesus, not you. Delight in Jesus, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Augustine was a North African theologian, and he once famously summed up the entire Christian life, just took a crack at it, right? And he, he, he summed the entire Christian life up by saying, love God and do whatever you want. Love God and do whatever you want. Now, maybe some of you are, you, you hear that and you're like, wait a second, aren't, aren't you kind of like pushing against that? Isn't precisely what you're saying we shouldn't just do whatever we want? How's that any different? Well, it's different because of the order, right? Love God. And as we love God, then God will shape our desires. As we love God first, what he wants will become what we want. If we love God first, his desires become our desires. See, if we love God over time, emphasis on time, right? It's a process. None of us have this figured out. I don't care how long we've been following Jesus. This is hard. It takes time. It's a process. But if we first love him, then over time we start to grow in our love for what he loves, our desire of what he desires, our want of what he wants. You see, maybe God actually does know what's best for us after all. 
Maybe Jesus actually does know what's best for your life, contrary to what our culture actually says. Maybe that's why he says in Matthew 22, he says this, guy had asked him, come up to him, religious guy, wanted to test Jesus, wanted to you know, put him in a, in a tough situation and, and, and says, what's the most important thing, Jesus? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all of your being, Jesus says. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as, your, as yourself, right? So we love God and then we love others. But our culture, our culture says not to love God first. No, our culture says that the greatest commandment is to be ourselves, to do whatever we want. That's the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is that you be you. You do you. You do whatever you want. You be yourself. And the second greatest commandment is to celebrate and applaud and affirm whatever self your neighbor chooses to be. That's what our culture tells us. See, what I want us to see is that when life is mostly about us, when we buy into these lies, this is what happens. This is what happens. Think, think for a second, a few different, different, different scenarios. Friendship. When our life, when it's mostly about me, when it's mostly about us, what happens? We start to evaluate friendship on the basis of what people can give to us, Right? We start evaluating people on the basis of, of what they have to offer. And so when, when someone gives us what, what we want, well, they're our fam, right? It's our people. But the second that stops, or the second that we're not getting what we actually want, or the second that we don't feel like, yeah, this is worth it for me, what do we do? We bounce. Friendships become commodities. We, we take on new friends and leave behind old friends on the basis of what feels good, what seems good, what makes me happy. What about dating? We're going to talk about dating in a few weeks. Actually, we're going to talk about friendship too. But, but what about dating, right? When, when life is mostly about me, what does dating become? It becomes this quest to find my soulmate, right? To find my person, the person that completes me, whatever the heck that means, right? The person that makes me happy. When my life is all about me, when I'm looking for someone to date, what I'm really looking for is someone that will make me the best version of myself, And when that person doesn't or can't, because who can, by the way, we move on. We do a church too, don't we? Ministries, right? When life is mostly about us, we start asking. The most important question becomes, what am I getting out of this? What can I get from this thing? And so we evaluate church, we evaluate ministries, bring it closer to home, we evaluate Veritas. Is this giving me what I want? Do I like this? Do I like how they sing? Do I like what he says? Do, does this make me? We start treating church and ministry and Veritas like, like we're consumers, trying things on and looking in the mirror and making sure it fits. And does it make me happy? And of course we do it with God too. We do it with God. We make God a means to our own end when life is all about us. We think God is a player in our story instead of us being a part of his story. We could go on and on and on. But here's the question. Do you love God? Or do you mostly love yourself? Is it Jesus or is it you? 
Now, some of you are smart enough to say, I reject your either or, and it can be a both and. Yeah, sure. It can be both and. You can love God and yourself. Nobody's denying that. But what's more important? What's a bigger priority? And if you're honest with yourself, what's right now? What's the biggest priority in your life? Is it God? Or is it you? Culture for sure says it's you. Here's another thing. That when life is mostly about us, I see this over and over. I've been working with college students for over 10 years. When life is mostly about us, when we think we're the hero of our own story, when we start to think that apart from God that we're enough, when we fail, it crushes us. It's devastating. 2009, half of you in this room were my daughter's oldest age, and I was in my second year on staff, which makes me feel very old. Uh, More importantly, though, it is the year that will forever go down in VMA infamy, and that's because it is the year that Taylor Swift had just won the award for best video for female artists, when out of nowhere, you might remember, your boy Kanye, right, He busts onto the stage and says, hey, no disrespect, Taylor, but you didn't deserve the award. Beyonce's video is better. Right? And and, and I actually remember seeing it, and and recently I saw it again in her documentary on Netflix, which is great. I plugged it last semester. I'll plug it again. I'm not a weird Taylor Swift guy, but it's good. Go watch it. Anyway, so she's talking about this experience, right? She's young in her career. She's just won this award, and Kanye, of all people, busts onto the stage. The crowd's going crazy. People are booing. There's there's chaos and confusion, and, and she's confused. She's shocked. And what happens is that she starts thinking that everybody is yelling and screaming and booing her. She thinks that, that, that everybody in the crowd actually agrees with Kanye, that, that Taylor didn't deserve the award. It should have gone to Beyonce. She starts to think that they're booing her. But they weren't. They were booing him, but she didn't know that. And this is what she says. I think it's so profound. It's honest. It's, re- it's great. And she says, I thought they were booing me for someone who'd built their whole belief system on getting people to clap for you, it only takes one bad thing for everything to come crashing down. It only takes one, when when life is all about you, it only takes one bad thing for it to all come crashing down. See, when you're the hero of your own story, when when I think I'm the hero of my own story, when, when we think that we're enough, Failure is devastating. It all comes crashing down on us. We will fail. You will fail. Some of you know, right? you've got a sinking feeling in your stomach right now because you know exactly you're in it. Or maybe you just came out of it or maybe you're anxious about something coming up and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. When life is all about us, it's sneaky sometimes. We don't realize it's happening, but then it happens and everything falls apart. See, I think that's why Taylor Swift needed, that's why you and I need a better story. We need a better story, a story that puts someone else at the center, in the limelight, a story that gives lasting meaning, lasting purpose, real joy, real happiness. 
See, culture, it's going to keep telling you. It will not stop telling you to keep chasing after your dreams, to follow your heart, to be true to yourself, to, to, to look inside, to find meaning and purpose and all these things that you're enough. You're not. You're not. I'm not. We are not enough apart from God. And that's precisely the point. Jesus is. Jesus is, and he died and he rose to rescue you from the belief that you have to be. Jesus died and he rose to rescue you from the belief that you have to be enough. We aren't. We don't have to keep trying to prove ourselves to ourselves and to other people. What Jesus says is we just have to follow him, give our lives to him, chase his dream for the world, not our own. Music team, go ahead and come back up. If you're a Glennon Doyle fan, I'm sorry. But I think she gets it wrong. I think Glennon Doyle gets it wrong. Real freedom is not found in owning your wanting. It's living the way that Jesus created you to live. Real life. The life that you're looking for, it's not found within yourself, it's found within Jesus. See, your heart, it doesn't always know what's best for you. Jesus does. You aren't the center of your own story. It's not even your story, it's his. See, what Jesus is saying to us tonight, to me, to you, to all of us here so if you want real joy, real happiness, real life, real satisfaction, real meaning, real purpose. It's going to be hard. Nobody said it's going to be easy, right? Nobody thinks it's going to be easy. But if you want those things, if you really want to be happy, if you really want to, to be satisfied, if you really want joy, then you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to follow him. See, Jesus says, whoever would lose their life for my sake will find it. Losing your life for his sake, you will find life, real life. Don't follow yourself. Follow Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.